this Christmas Eve service is tottering between two extremes. On the one extreme, we have Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. And there in that text, those two verses, we found an evil and foolish people. Instead of drinking from the fountain of living water, they departed from their God. And instead, they struck out on their own, seeking their own water. And what they ended up with was nothing. Just a bunch of broken cisterns and the consequences of that, which are thirst and thirst and more thirst. But at the other end of the spectrum, we don't find any sort of scarcity, hunger, or thirst. We find the opposite. We find abundance and plenty. We read Psalm 36 together, and we got this scene in Psalm 36. It says, they feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. Then we read from Psalm 16, and in Psalm 16, we find a a people whose hearts are so full and so glad in God that their mouths begin to sing and speak. And they say this, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And I don't know about you, but when the options are expressed that clearly... You've got Jeremiah chapter 2 over here, and then you've got Psalm 16 and Psalm 36 over here. I know which end of the extreme I want to inhabit. I want to live in Psalm 36. I want an invite to that feast. I want access to the river of God's delights. Even more, I want to have a heart so full, so filled that my mouth can't help but to say with the psalmist in Psalm 16, in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And so with that desire stated, I want to ask two questions. First question is this. Is it possible to inhabit that extreme, the the Psalm 16, the Psalm 36 extreme? Is it possible to live there and have that? And if that's possible, how? How do I get that? The answer to both of these questions are found in a story in John chapter 4. And this is our third chunk of scripture. And the hope is that this chunk of scripture will bridge Jeremiah 2 to the Psalms we read. And so they're going to be up. This chunk of scripture is going to be up ahead. And I'm going to read John 4 verses 1 through 26 to you. Hear the word of God. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John... Although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. And so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, or the middle of the day. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. 
And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands and the one you now have is not your husband. What you said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we desire this evening, in this brief moment we have together, that you would draw near to us and that you would lead us from the broken cisterns of our lives and that you would lead us to living water. We pray now that you would do business with our hearts and that you would edify us. We pray this, amen. So the woman we meet in John chapter four is a Jeremiah 2, 12 and 13 woman. She has not only hewn a cistern for herself, a broken one, but we could better say that she is a broken cistern. And as we consider John chapter 4, this is evidenced in two very sad ways. First, this woman was a Samaritan. That's a marker of her ethnic identity. She was a half-breed having a mixture of Jewish blood and, and some other sort of blood. But there was something worse to being a Samaritan than just being mixed ancestry. It was this, their religion was a mixed religion. Samaritans had their own way to worship God. And that way of worshiping God was a corrupt way of worshiping God. And we see Jesus indicting the Samaritan way of worship in John chapter 4. He says to the woman, verse 22, you worship what you do not know. So this woman has a corrupt way of worshiping God. And second, this woman was of ill repute. Such was her reputation in her town that no one wanted to associate with her. And such was her shame that she didn't want to associate with anyone else, even in the most mundane matters of life. And so in the ancient world, all the women would have gone to the well together to draw water for their households, and they would have done it early in the morning or late at night so as the sun wouldn't scorch them. But here in John chapter 4, this woman goes to the well in the middle of the day when the sun is at its highest, and she goes all by herself. And we ask, well, what gave this woman such a terrible reputation? Well, this woman had five husbands, and the current man, the man that she's sleeping with, isn't her husband. And so this woman we meet in John chapter 4 is a living, breathing example of Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. She practices a corrupt religion, and she is a corrupt woman. And 
And this woman is the perfect test case for us. Because on her, we can try our two questions. Is it possible for this woman, this living, breathing example of Jeremiah 2, 12 and 13, to experience the pleasures and joys of Psalm 16 and Psalm 36? And if so, if that is a possibility, how might this woman, this woman who has corrupt worship and a corrupt life, be able to do that? And so what this woman needs as we think about her is an intervention, and that's what she gets in John chapter 4. She goes by herself in the middle of the day to get water, and what she finds is Jesus. And I want to point out to you Jesus and what Jesus does for this woman. The first thing that Jesus does for this woman is he pursues this woman. The woman goes to get, to the, get water at the well, but what does Jesus do? He interrupts her. He, he intercepts her. He says to her in verse 7, give me a drink. And this sounds innocuous to us. You're just asking somebody for a drink. You're tired. You're weary. That makes sense. But this was not done. The text alerts us to the reality of what Jesus did. Verse 10, Jews had no dealings with Samaritans. And the shock factor, shock factor immediately registers with this woman. She says to Jesus in response to his question, to his command, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And so what is Jesus doing? He's doing what is not done. He is dealing with a Samaritan woman. He is crossing the line of taboo, and he is eager to do it, it seems. And as we think about this whole set of grace and mercy and kindness, jump off the page. Here is Jesus crossing the line of taboo, but there is more here than meets the eye. This isn't just contact between a Jew and a Samaritan. That's glorious, but there's something greater here. This is contact between a broken cistern and the word of God made flesh. This is the forsaken God chasing down the rebel who turned away from him. This is the fountain of living water himself bubbling out on parched, dry ground. And so Jesus, the first thing he does is he pursues this woman. He says, give me a drink. And the next thing Jesus does is he begins to deal with this woman's sin and shame. Jesus jolts this woman awake as with a, a shock of electricity. And this woman's shame, I'm sure she would have loved to have left it in the background, hidden away, and not to have talked about it with this Jewish man who was sitting on the well. But it becomes the, the topic of conversation. Jesus abruptly and precisely reveals the broken cistern that is her life. He says, verse 18, you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. And this was no prophetic parlor trick that Jesus was doing. Jesus wasn't after a cheap wow or an astonished look or, or raised eyebrows. He spoke of her shame in the open. He brought her sin out into the light for a reason that she might see in this moment how terrible her life is, really, truly is. So Jesus pursues this woman and pursuing this woman, he exposes her sin and shame. You have had five husbands and the man you are with now, he is not your husband. And she's exposed for who she is. She is a broken cistern that can hold no water. And all of this prepares the way for the last thing that Jesus does. Jesus offers her satisfaction. And so Jesus begins this conversation with her quest. He says, give me a drink. 
but it quickly becomes clear that Jesus really doesn't need any water. Really, he, he's come there not to get, but to give water. And though Jesus doesn't have a bucket or any instrument to draw up water out of that deep well, over 100 feet deep, he offers this woman water, not just any water, not water for a moment or for a day, but living water. And Jesus tells us about this in verse 14. He says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up into eternal life. And here, everything starts to come together for us. We can't get lost in Jesus' imagery here. Here's the point. Jesus comes to this woman, this broken sister, and he offers her the joys and pleasures of Psalm 16 and 36. Here, Jesus says to this woman, here is the river of God's delights. I beckon you to come to it and drink of it. It's living and you will be satisfied forever. Here Jesus says, come, I have fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. It's open to you. Will you take it for yourself? And as readers, we're we're interested and we ask, well, where is this living water to be found? It's not in Jacob's well for sure. Where is the river of God's delights to be accessed? Where are pleasures forevermore to be had? Jesus leaves no mystery to this. In verse 10, Jesus clarifies it all. He says this, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. What does Jesus do? He does as he always does. He preaches as he always preaches. He is preaching himself. He is referencing himself. He's saying, where is the river of God's delights accessed? It's in me. Where are pleasures forevermore to be had? It's in me. You want the living water? Ask me for a drink and you'll have it. And you'll have it. And so is it possible for a Jeremiah 2, 12 and 13 woman to experience the joys and pleasures of God? Is it really possible for a broken cistern to find satisfaction? And the answer we see in John chapter 4 is yes. Jesus' words jump off the page. He says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. That's glorious. And how does that happen? Jesus. By faith in Jesus, by coming to Jesus, by saying, give me a drink. And so it's Christmas Eve tonight. Tomorrow is Christmas morning. Doesn't this all open wide to you the significance of Christmas? Doesn't it open wide to you the good news of Christmas? Hear the good news of the gospel. The pleasures of God are not shut off from you. You are a Jeremiah 2, 12 and 13 person. What have you done in your sin? You gladly forsook the fountain of living water. You said to the Lord, I don't want your water anymore. Even worse, you said, I want to get my own water. I want to satisfy myself with, with what I like. But here's the good news. The God we forsook has come for us. And he has not come for our condemnation or our judgment or our destruction. He has come to deliver us from our evil and our foolishness. He has come to deliver us from the, the broken sisters we have hewn for ourselves. He has come to lead us to living water. And so how ought we to apply all of this? 
how ought we to apply the, the story of John chapter 4? How we ought to apply the, the scriptures we have read, Jeremiah 2 and Psalm 16 and Psalm 36? How ought we to apply Christmas Day tomorrow? Well, it's so simple. We go to the Lord Jesus and we say this, give me a drink. Give me a drink. I want you, Lord Jesus, for I know you are living waters. And if I drink of you, I will live forever. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful for your mercy and your grace, how you've pursued us in our rebellion and how you open wide the pleasures of God to us. And so we ask now, Lord Jesus, would you, would you drill this word down into our hearts and would you keep it there? And would you turn our hearts to you today and tomorrow that we might say, give us a drink, give me a drink. I need satisfaction. So Lord Jesus, do this, we pray. Amen.